I think you've got, for intuition to work, you've, you've got to take that framework that there is a super intelligent system within us and super intelligent system around us. One of the ways of doing this is to, I, I believe that intuition is literally about trying to get past the ego. And if our foundation levels are beautifully in tune, we don't have solid foundations to go higher. Hello and welcome to the Common Creative Podcast. My name's Chris Meredith. My name's Paul Fairweather. And this week's guest is an old mate of mine. Uh, actually, my first boss when I arrived in Australia, Derek Levy, formed Australia's most successful market research company, The Leading Edge. And then having sold it, uh, he moved on, learned to teach yoga, ran the Greed School in Bali, um, and is now one of Australia's most successful business coaches with a unique style. It's about the spirit, it's about your biology, and of course, your mind. Uh, Chris, I thought it was absolutely fascinating discussion. I, I loved his story. I loved his you know, his, his mindset and his shifting mindset from the point where he decided to sell his company and do other things and where that's taken him and his whole insight into uh, intuition, as you say, mind, body, spirituality and how that's been accepted in the, in the broader corporate world. So it's been absolutely fascinating. Um, uh, unfortunately, we, we had a whole, another whole episode in our discussion after we turned <laughs> off the recording, which was just as fascinating. So we might have to get him back uh, sometime in the future. But uh, yeah, a really fascinating person, uh, a deep thinker, a deep feeler, I think, Chris. Yeah, absolutely. Who, uh, you know, who, who wants, he wants for a better world. Yeah, let's get him, let's get him on. Yeah, let's get him on. Derek, welcome to The Common Creative. It's great to have you on the show. Thanks, Chris. Um, nice to talk to you again. It's been a while. <laughs> uh, great to meet you, Derek. And Thanks for joining us on the Common Creative. You and I go way back. I, I started my connection with you as an employee of your business, the, the leading edge of market research and strategy company. And much has happened since we you left and I left the leading edge and you've done your things, I've done other things. I found it very hard to try and distill who is Derek Leddy and what you've done. There are so many facets to what you've done. Could, could you ever go, please, Derek, tell us a potted history. <laughs> tell us about yourself. Okay, a, pot, a potted history would be uh, I've worked for myself since the age of 27. Um, I'm probably unemployable for someone else. Um, and as you know, you and I met at the leading edge and that was – uh, a business that I created in 1990 uh, and sold in 2000, and I think it was five. Um, and through that period, you know, we all created a business that was a global market research company uh, with offices in Sydney, Melbourne, Singapore, London. Um, and it was the most successful research agency uh, in Australia. Uh, that certainly had been created in sort of 40, 50 years. So it, it sort of turned that industry on its head. Um, I think we grew at 15% every year, no matter what, uh, regardless of the economy or the environment. So we just did our own thing and went our own way. Uh, it was heavily built around culture uh, and a very different product. 
into the market. Um, that we did that. I then um, took some gardening leave, uh, and I was meant to, you know, take time out. But I ended up with the family going up to to Bali, and uh, we were meant to sort of, you know, take a, a while out and do nothing. And I, I accidentally ended up running, um, being the um, the fill in CEO for uh, an environmental school called Green School uh, for a period of time up there, and. Um, you know, love my days of going to school uh, on the back of a Vespa uh, with my kids on the back. <laughs> and, um, you know, I did that for for a while. I also did a, uh, a two-year yoga teacher's course, uh, which was very, very deep and extensive. I think it was 700 hours or something like that all up. Uh, and I learned every every breathing technique, every visualization technique, every posture technique, every meditation technique. Uh, there was, and I had to, you know, part of the program was I had to actually chant the uh, the Yoga Sutras, which is the philosophy uh, that sits behind yoga, which very few people actually know about. Uh, and that's the bit that's the bit that got me super interested in um, in the mind and tools and techniques to, to lift people's performance. Um, and I'd always been driven as a leader by finding fabulous people like yourself, Chris, um, and 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 sort of creating the best minds, keeping best minds together, and and finding ways of of meeting their needs and driving them to to their highest potential. So I've always been fascinated by people at their best and people progressing and evolving in their lifetime, not between lifetimes, but in this lifetime. Um, I've applied that to myself my whole life. And, um, yeah, it's been a pretty um, interesting and sometimes wild ride. Jared, it, it's just fascinating hearing that story. There's so many so many facets to it. Why not after the leading edge? I'm guessing you wouldn't describe yourself as a market researcher, even though you launched and grew Australia's most successful research company. Um, the easy option would have been to start another research company or to carry on growing the leading edge. What what is it about you that makes you go? I'm going to do yoga, or I'm going to become a, a business coach, or and why that rather than just the same old stuff that's a familiar, successful formula? Ah, great question. Um, I've never actually asked myself that. So here we go. Let's see how we go with this answer. Um, I I'm at my best when. I'm exploring new stuff. I, I don't know. I think probably from the age of 12, I had this drive in me to constantly want to explore myself, understand myself and grow and grow myself. And so the leading edge for me, while, while really successful, was a place where it was challenges for me to grow me just as much as it was a place for other fabulous and talented people to be. And we kind of got to a stage in 2005, I think, where it was, where the business was just, honestly, I don't think I had the skills to hold it together any longer. It was so complex. It was a global business. Um, while I have those skills today, I don't think I really had them. And I and I found that I was just spending my whole life doing, 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 sitting on planes, um, almost being a um, psychologist for the, for the senior team, solving problems uh, and personal issues. And you know, it, it really wasn't a place that seemed to grow me anymore. So I felt it was time to finish that. Um, and certainly I could have gone back into the research industry and, and done it again and, you know, uh, been successful. But that it felt like I'd been there, done that, and that that really wasn't going to be a challenge that was ever going to grow me or I, was gonna, I wasn't going to be happy there. So it was my wife who um, 
who convinced me to do the yoga program. I think she was probably more concerned that I was going to be at home too much, um, and that I and that and that I needed a uh, I needed a routine in my life. Like you know, the leading edge was was full on. Um, you know, my diary was packed every day, and so she really felt I needed a routine and and something new. So yeah, I um, you know I joined this uh, yoga training program, and I was the um, you know, the oldest bloke by a mile. As a matter of fact, I was the only bloke. Um, and, you know, surrounded by, um, you know, much more youthful people than me. Um, but just loved every moment of it. And um, it really opened my mind to probably the ancient wisdom um, that's still very relevant today. And what was so interesting is that just at that moment that I was doing that study, neuroscience was kind of coming out and starting to support yeah. some of these uh, ideas. So all of a sudden, meditation was was getting hot because neuroscience was starting to prove how powerful it was. Same thing with breathing. Same thing with visualization. So um, the two kind of led me together to each other. Um, and I got really excited by that space. Derek, uh, I just wanted to go back a little bit uh and 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 it's interesting that you sort of you know sort of had access to this ancient wisdom doing yoga yet prior to that your decision to sell this business you know so many ceos or founders you know they think that because they had the good idea they're also good at running the company and you know to the detriment of the company and probably to themselves and we wanted to talk to you about instinct and intuition like what was it do you sort of remember the moment when you realized that you know your 12 year old self that you're really about you know, you're at your best um, with new stuff and that it was time to let go. I, I just find that really fascinating that, you know, that you came to that juncture and went, you know what, I, I'm better doing something totally different now. Yeah, great question. Um, oh, there were a number of forces that drove me to set up on my own. Um, I'd probably describe it as a combination of, of three things, is that my, to some extent, my heart was on fire, so I really wanted to push myself and see how far I could go. So there's this desire to see the unknown and see what might happen. Um, that's a beautiful idealistic sort of side to it. But also my pants were on fire. Um, you know, I had left university. I'd worked with this other market research company. I was kind of their golden child. Uh, I was the first university student that they'd ever employed. Um, and while my first 12 months was quite troublesome, I sort of rose to the top pretty quickly and there were lots of promises made by that organization to to my future in terms of profit sharing, whatever. Anyway, they, they ended up selling. Uh, they put a new CEO in uh, and he decided I was part of the old school. So at the age of 26, I was being described as uh, part, of, part of the old school and he was making it very clear that I was not welcome to stay. Um I really don't know why, um, but um, he did a few things that were really inappropriate um, in my in my exit, and that fired me up big time. Um, so it was kind of like my pants were on fire, like somebody was out to to take me out, literally. Um, and my kind of competitive spirit just went crazy at that time. Um, so I think the first two years of the leading edge was really driven by kind of <laughs> pants on fire. Derek, I'm, I'm get, forgive me, I'm going to interrupt you because I just have to explain to anyone listening what a special organization The Leading Edge was, where I worked and where and how we met. 
I think everyone in the leading edge had a bit of a swagger. We had when I joined them with those beautiful offices down um, at Walsh Bay, and I think that the business was correctly branded the leading edge. We embraced all the latest toys in the field of market research, and I think the clients understood we wanted to go beyond just reporting data and really building their business and so on. So anyway, I just thought I'd interrupt with that. It, it was a very special business. It, it pants on fire helped create that. Congratulations. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Um the product the I had a vision for the for the for the business or the industry and the fact that it just seemed to be such an old fashioned archaic way of doing things. So you know when I started in the industry we had to write these sort of 60 page 100 page reports you know with quotes from consumers to back it all up and everything like that and so you don't take days and days to write this rubbish um and so you know when we launched we launched with a two-page executive summary you know we don't we didn't write reports we just wrote here are the key insights because uh, we were sensing that the client you know their time was 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 valuable, and they didn't really want to read a sixty-page report. Um, they wanted to know yeah. what the hell to do with the data. So um, that was the first thing we did was we did the two pages. The other thing is that we integrated lots of things that the industry had separated out. So you know we made qualitative people go spend time with statisticians and vice versa. Um, so we started to integrate the various components of research into one holistic offer. Um, and then we brought some branding people in from outside and we brought some innovative people like yourself in. Um, and this idea of, of integration was critical to the business. It was how do we get really diverse people that wouldn't normally hang with each other and yeah. how do you get them to swagger together? And the culture was critical in that. Uh, so we spent a lot of time sort of creating the right glue to hold people together because they were very different people. Um, who were solving problems in very different ways. So if I look back at it, you know, diversity and inclusion is, um, you know, is a global uh, massive trend now, but we were kind of doing that back in 1991. Can I jump forward to a topic which we mentioned briefly before we pressed record on this podcast? So you're kind of embracing now a whole bunch of, again, equally new thinking in the world of neuroscience and helping people bring out their best. I've had a skim through the pre-brief you sent to us and your your coaching practice embraces not just sort of um co- sort of mental training but physiology and biology and so on and so on and you mentioned in passing to me that intuition is something that can be trained now we've just finished a season on neuroscience and we we've interviewed a few people who talk about how the bit the brain creates things and particularly a guy called Joel Pearson who studied intuition and he told us the criteria when you might maximize your intuition but he didn't go as far as saying you can train it and I'd love to hear more about how you can train yourself to be intuitive. The, this is a relatively new area for me that I've been exploring uh, personally so I have my own coach in this space and I have had a lot of success with this. Uh, I think at the foundation of it that you have to accept that there is some much bigger system, intelligence system out there that you're just a part of. I think you've got, for intuition to work, you've got to, you've got to take that framework that there is a super intelligent system within us and super intelligent system around us. 
and that we're not this sort of separate person who's sort of pushing our way through life, but we're part of this highly integrated system. So if you come from that perspective, then intuition from my perspective is the ability to tap in and listen to that system. So you can call it maybe an inner intuition, but it's also that ability to to, to hear the subtle, to see the subtle, um, as opposed to looking for kind of like macro trends or things like that. So um, one of the ways of doing this is to is to is to sort of I, I believe that intuitions is literally about trying to get past the ego. We're trying to trick the ego into not coming up with the answer. Yeah, yeah, because the ego is just is is just wants us to repeat what we did yesterday and the day before and the day before that. So and it wants to be very rational. It wants to be very practical about everything. So it is about tricking the ego so that it doesn't get to talk first. That's that's the best way I can kind of explain the way I've been doing that. So I will ask myself a question and then I will uh, simply look around the environment that I'm in. And I know this sounds crazy, but I look around the environment I'm in and I'll just wait for my eye to be attracted to a particular uh, symbol, whatever that is in the room. And then I will just start talking. I'll just start telling a story immediately. So I'm not thinking about it. I'm not trying to use my cognitive brain. I'm just, I'm just going with it. And eventually something quite meaningful will come from that. So I'm using the outside environment to stimulate a conversation with myself. Um, so, but I'm trying to bypass the, 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 the ego to hear that sort of deeper understanding of what's sort of going on. I know you said it sounded strange. It doesn't sound that strange. To me, so it's, it's certainly new, but this idea of doing something where you don't allow yourself to judge yourself and to pr- pr- double guess how others might view it. Um, fascinating, fascinating. Derek, I was just, I was just going to, one of the, I think, newsletters you put out, you talked about the fact that you gave up pushing, uh, sorry, a year or so ago, and you said you're fairly new to this intu- intuition thing. And you also talked about, uh, I think, with Chris about the thing about instinct being very primeval and different from intuition. So do you think this, you know, relying on the intuition is more of this like, you know, another step in letting go of the pushing? So you're not trying to push the outcome, you're letting it almost come to you? Absolutely. I, I fundamentally believe now I've adopted what we call the transformer mindset. So the transformer thinks in systems, uh, thinks in not opposites being opposites but opposites being linked together so what we call polarity management and it's all about how do i integrate things so you know i used to do that a long time ago but i I see it a different way so i truly do believe that i'm part of a super smart system i have fully accepted that and from that place rather than me being this isolated human being that has to use my sweat and effort and focus to achieve what I need to achieve. I kind of see myself as how do I use the whole system to achieve what I need to achieve? So I'm not coming from me on my own. I'm coming from me as part of an intelligent system. And so I let go of the old um, Newtonian view of of energy. You know, for every effort, you get an equal and opposite effort to this idea of of that we are all connected and how do I play with that connectivity um so I don't really push anywhere near I used to push really hard myself and others I don't really do that anymore yet 
the speed at which I achieve things <laughs> is often much faster these days without without so much of the heavy pushing that goes with it. So, yes, yeah, so I do come at it from a very different perspective these days. I don't, and, and I'm patient. I just wait. If, if it doesn't turn up for me what I'm looking for, then I just go, okay, well, I'll just I'll wait for this to arrive. But it, it always does arrive. Have, have you read uh, Elizabeth Gilbert's Big Magic? I, I, I haven't read that one. Uh, she, she talks in there about a, and in fact, it's in her TED Talk as well, about a, a poet who would be out in the garden and she'd feel this idea coming and she'd race in and to get it down. And there's examples of her in the end, her writing is backwards as she's just getting the tail end of it down on the paper. A little bit different to what you're talking about, but that thing about, you know, that it's just out there. Yeah. I, the other thing I use is I use, um, you know, I, you know, everyone's kind of into hacking, mind hacking these days. So, you know, I use um, a, a reishi product. Um, it's, a, it's an ancient mushroom you know, Chinese medicine-based reishi. And uh, what I find is that I get to remember my dreams really, really, really well. Uh, and so when I wake up in the morning, I often wake up with great ideas because I can remember and recall the event um, so well. So I do use quite a lot of hacking these days to to sort of access this sort of more symbolism and and hopefully deeper parts of my mind. I still don't quite understand exactly what I'm hacking and what I'm doing, but I find them incredibly uh, helpful in my life to make better decisions. Um, Derek, I'm just I'm really interested. You know, you you had this 15 years or so where you were sort of at the zeitgeist of market research. You sort of knew what was going on in the world. You're now a, a you know a, a business coach amongst other things. Um, Chris and I you know, are on a mission to try to teach business about creativity, but you're going to a whole new level. Um, how is this thinking accepted from your view in, in your world with, with uh, you know, people that you interact with? Yeah, good question. Um, you, you, so most, just to explain my world now, so, you know, my, my world is heavily coaching senior executives from around the world. Uh, about sort of 60% of our business now or 70% is overseas, so into the US and the UK. Um, and most of my clients are C-suites or entrepreneurs. So just to give you a perspective of who I'm talking to and working with, um, I am finding that clients are so up for it. They're exhausted. They're they're overwhelmed. They're, they can't, they're struggling to deal with the complexity and the speed of change in this world. And they've pushed themselves as far as they possibly can push themselves. Um, and so they're open to uh, a new experience, a new way of working. And my promise to them always is that your performance won't decline. It'll increase. So it's, this is not about balancing yourself to, to have a happier lifestyle. And that may well be an, an outcome. But the promise is I'm going to lift your performance by you doing a hell of a lot less. Um, and you coming back into in what we call being in tune with yourself. So, you know, my goal is that I change their relationship with themselves. So I'd fundamentally transform their relationship with them, um, and that then impacts significantly the, the way they are in the outside world, their business world, their family world, um, their friends' world. So... Um, I'm surprised at how often clients are up for the conversation. 
Um, and I'm surprised how often clients are actually up for the conversation around spirituality these days as well. Mm. Uh, that's really shifted in the last two or three years where I might have that conversation with a client after I got to know them really well. Um, but I've got two clients at the moment that started the conversation with me with on spirituality. That's where we started day one. Um, so it's shifting. It's shifting so fast. People are much more open to this than I've ever seen. Certainly five, ten years ago, it'd be hard to have these conversations. But it's shifting. It's shifting super fast. And often, you know, you'll find, you know, you'll meet a senior executive and they'll turn up in their grey suit and their, you know, their perfectly schoolboy haircut. And, you know, you, you kind of think, oh, how is this person going to experience what we what we work on together? And often they're the ones most up for it. Like that's what I, I get blown away by that. It's like, it's like, mate, I'll, I'll try anything to change the experience I'm having of life. Um, and they, man, they, they change. And that's why we work on the body and mind. Like the mind and the body was split uh, a long time ago and neuroscience is knitting it all back together again. Uh, but we are one system. And going back to your earlier question, intuition requires the mind and the body to be perfectly integrated. Derek, I, I tell you what keeps going through my mind is this idea that, that we're all of us over money. We're, we're fed up with it. Uh, because successful business people, I mean, maybe have, maybe you and I include you, you, you strive to kind of get to the top of whatever tree you're climbing and, and money arrives. And, it, and you kind of think, hmm, that wasn't as good as I was hoping. <laughs> um, and I don't feel that fulfilled. And, and maybe I need to find a different way of defining success. And so it, it, my question, I suppose, is do you agree with me? Are we over money now? Uh, yes and no. Um, I think the next generation coming through are kind of over money because they're not gonna they're gonna really struggle to buy houses and get themselves yeah. serious debt and all those sort of silly things that we did. So it's not really attainable for them anymore. So they I think they're sort of treating money in a lighter way because of circumstances because the world's changed so much. Yeah. Um, but I also think there's a there's a a mindset shift. I I do think that. Well, I know that though that younger generation, you know, want to make a, a bigger difference in this world. They are more social. Uh, they are thinking beyond themselves or just their family and have a, a more global or social perspective. And and that does have a play in in who they work for and 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 purpose around it. So I do think money shifting. I don't think it's shifting anywhere near as fast as maybe it should. Yeah. <laughs> I think it's a good good answer. I mean, you're right as. Uh, Paul and I both have kids as, as well. So there's that dichotomy, isn't it, for certain people. It's very difficult to kind of make sense of money. And for other people, it's kind of, well, uh, it's um, you know, it's not delivering what I hoped it would. Yeah. What I actually wanted to say there, I forgot to say, was that to me, money is fear. It's a safe, it's safety. Um, and it's a defensive, it's a defensive approach to, to, to living. So it's a, it's a, you know, it kind of guarantees that we can survive in this world um, and we can do certain things. So it gives, certainly gives us some freedom, but it also is heavily a defensive, I think, by many, many people. So, you know, I know some people that are super wealthy and yet they are still very greedy mm. and just wanting to do get more and more and more. And 
it's a defensive thing. It's a fear-based thing. They're, they're too scared to, to stop and get off that bandwagon. So I think it is about getting beyond our fears. And, and that's, you know, that's really where intuition is as well, is that intuition is not fear-based. Derek, I just, I, I recently had some insights around this. I read a book called Seven and a Half Lessons About the Brain by Lisa Feldman Barrett. And she talks in her first chapter saying the brain's primary job is to balance the systems, uh, water, salt, uh, glucose, and to uh, balance energy. And to balance energy, it has to reserve energy for if you might need it to chase something to eat or run away from something that might eat you. Um, and so I think this is, you know, the basis of, of where we're always storing energy. Um, and it works when we're on the savannah and we only ate every few days, but it doesn't work now when we eat a high calorie food every three hours. I think this psychic, this has gone into our psychic in terms of stuff, you know, money, information, uh, and stuff that we always have this need to store uh, in case we need it. Um, but you know, again, it might have worked when we needed a boomerang or you know a spear. But now you know it's got to the things where where we're out of sync, and it's, I think it's that bit of the thing you were saying about the mind and body. All of a sudden, we're out of sync because of the environment that we're in. Yeah, I I I I would add to a dimension to that. I think we. I, I, I think, you know, we've heard this many times before by other people, but I think we have created a fear-based culture. Uh, I think our politicians drive it. I think our media drives it. Um, I think, you know, you know, uh, you know, going into huge mortgages drives it. Yeah. Mm. Um, I think we're a heavy fear-based culture. But I also, my view is that I, I, I believe I'm living in the safest time in the safest country of any human that's ever been on this earth before. So that that's how I view it. I view that it couldn't be safer. And sure, there's there's issues out there and there's not great stuff, but that's how I kind of view my life is that this is the safest chapter of human development. Mm. Uh, I got to get beyond my fears. Mm. And, and, you know, what, what I find fascinating from the the biology or neuroscience side is that, you know, I learned a while ago that, you know, cells have only got two switches. They're either in survival mode or they're in thrive mode. And your fears will determine which of those two modes that they're in. So, you know, the quality of your nervous system. So I'm constantly working on my nervous system, the quality of my sleep, um, the quality of, of how, I, how, how I work on all of those aspects, which is why the bi biology of the body is so important. If end of the day my nervous system's agitated, it doesn't matter how high a thinker and high consciousness I have, I am going to live a life from a fear-based experience. So, you know, we're, I think as, as, as humans, we all kind of want to, in the, particularly in the corporate world, is like, how do I get to the next level? How do I get to the next level? How do I get to the next level? Well, actually, we're actually made up of many levels. And if our foundation levels are beautifully in tune, we don't have solid foundations to go higher. So, so our nervous system has to be beautiful. Our emotional system has to be beautiful. How we use our power has to be beautifully in tune. And if we can get those three or four base levels beautifully in tune, then we can kind of build our tower as high as we want to go. But most people just want to go to what's the next conference, what's yeah. the next book to read, what's whatever. 
uh, and they're not doing the work on the foundations. And so um, that's why we brought into our program such a strong mind and body biology component to it because we really felt that coaching, training in the corporate world was fundamentally missing all of that. And I'm not talking well-being here. I'm talking how do I perform at my best? So, Darren, let, let me ask you a question then. If, if you were going to start a company like The Leading Edge again today, at the time you had fire in your pants and it was kind of, I'm guessing, anger and your youthful optimism, all those things were driving the business. And, and, and forgive me, but I think some great decisions were made at that time, which, which result in the success of the business. But if, if you were launching it again today, how would you translate the idea of the mind and body, the idea of be- a beautiful, um, well, a beautiful nervous system, um, beautiful sleep. How do you translate that into building a business like the Leading Edge, which for people who don't know, it was a kind of medium-sized business with offices around the world servicing uh, um, major branded companies? What kind of things would you do? Uh, it's funny, isn't it? I've never thought for one second about going back into that industry. So um, it's not a door that I've played with at all. It's been a very move on, close the door. Um, I think it's probably too hard for me to answer, but I could probably answer in terms of the experience that I, I have with through my clients is that, you know, these these clients, they end up achieving more in their business that they're in, the role that they're in, but they end up spending a lot less time doing it and they spend a lot less time worrying about it. Um, and their relationships at home usually change significantly. And so yeah. I think... I think, you know, I think we've got this idea that, you know, we've got all these senior executives that work way too hard and they need to live a more balanced lifestyle. I think that's probably true. But kind of when you hear the word balanced lifestyle, it sort of suggests that they need to be doing less of things and more of other things. Well, while this is about how do I get this person to actually be at their best? Because if I can, if I can get them in tune... And I can get their nervous system in tune, their emotions in tune, the way they use their power in tune. All their arguments disappear. All their conflict disappears. All their worry disappears. So they've got this energy that's being used in a much more effective way. So they've got more energy. They've got more focus. And so they get more done in a far more kind of biological and mind-efficient way, if that makes sense. Actually, that makes great sense. And it's interesting that Chris asked that question because I had that same question on my mind about how you would do it differently, um, given that you know the given that the wisdom that you now have. Um, but I, and I think that you've answered it very well. Unfortunately, <laughs> we've come to the end of our interview, but I think that summation of you know having people more focused, more productive, more energy, but you know with you know but using less time and less worry in particular, and then whatever comes from that, you know, like it's a fantastic journey. I certainly want to see the next and the next chapter after that of what um, what you get up to, uh, Derek. It's been absolutely De- fascinating. Derek, thank you. So it's great to reconnect with you. Just quickly for people listening, how can people find out more about you? If there's a chief exec out there who's interested to find out more, where would they go? Uh, they can just um, email me directly. So Derek, D-E-R-E-K, at collectivemind, or one word, dot com, dot A-U. We'll, we'll put that in the show notes, so there'll be a link there to your, uh, to your email. Yeah, thank, thank you. Yeah, thanks, Derek. It's been thank you so much, Derek. So, Chris, 
What a fantastic conversation. It was uh, so great to uh, meet with Derek. My mind is buzzing with ideas. Uh, I'm not sure where to start, actually. I, I, I want to start with my nervous system, I think. Um, I don't know quite what that means, but it sounds like it's a big opportunity, as he said, to get those foundations right. Um, and that allows you to unlock your potential. I think for creatives out there, intuition is the key. Derek's, Derek clearly has tools to help unlock intuition, and that for me means creativity. Yeah. Um, uh, I love I love his process of you know how to access it. So often people talk about this stuff, but don't actually have a real process. And I, I love that. And I'm sure that if we dis- dissected it, we could you know dissect a lot of you know some of the things other people have told us about how to access your creativity would be yeah. sort of similar things. Um, but I loved his thing about that he decided to let go of the old Newton view of um, energy. Um, and um, and so I don't think that means he's floating, that he's given up on gravity. Uh, <laughs> but it's certainly the way that he's approached you know, his world and it comes down to that thing about not pushing anymore. So look, uh, absolutely fantastic. Chris, what a, what a great boss to have had. Um, he, he's, he, he's totally shaped my life, just, just so you know. He, I, when I first met him, I mentally already accepted a completely different job with a completely different company. And he talked to me and I thought, right, I want to work for this company. And um, yeah, it has completely shaped the way my career um, has developed in Australia. Well, I want to say, I want to say thank you to Derek because you've obviously got even a mindset to be such a great co-host of The Common Creative. <laughs> Um, if you have enjoyed this episode, please leave us a rating, uh, give a comment, and most importantly, share it with your friends. It's good for the podcast, it's good for Chris and I, and it's obviously good for Derek. So, uh, And there will be show notes which will have all, Chris, um, all Derek's uh, contact details. And we'll look forward to seeing you next week for next week's episode of The Common Creative. Bye for now.